Welcome to the Bridge to Branches podcast. You and your entirety are welcome here, no matter who you are, where you're from, or what you've been through. On the Bridge to Branches podcast, we believe every mental health experience is valid and has power. If you are tending to your mental health, you are smart and brave. If life is a tree, mental health is the bridge from the roots to the branches, connecting where we've been and what we've been through to its impact on the world, spanning outwards. Mental health is the bridge to your destiny in this world. Join us in talking about it. Content warning for this episode. This episode contains general content around mental health diagnoses and some strong language. everyone, Alex here. Thanks so much for being with us today. On this episode, we have Kevin Racinos. Kevin is a Latinx, born and raised on the east side of Los Angeles. They are committed to working with people to bring an intersectional understanding to the ways we build and interact with one another, specifically with homeless folks. From facilitating strategic vision processes to designing leadership development programs for homeless service agencies that service marginalized communities, they've worked with diverse sets of needs and struggled with leaders to best address those needs. Thanks so much again for being here. We hope you enjoy episode six. Um, before we get started, can I ask your preferred pronouns? Uh, yeah, they uh, it's they, them, theirs, or he, him, his. Um, I prefer they, them, theirs, but, you know, he, him, his is also okay. Okay, thank you. Great. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of just get started with the first question um, around mental health. And that is, I am curious how you would actually define or how you relate the term mental health. Um, Yeah, so mental health for me looks like a lot of things. It looks like, you know, what traditional, um, I, I guess, psychologists would refer mental health to be, which is taking care of your mind, um, you know, in certain uh, ways I have interacted with mental health professionals that have diagnosed me and, you know, I've gone down that traditional route where, you know, I'm, I think I'm, uh, you know, borderline personality disorder or have some sort of narcissistic personality disorder or have something, you know, along those lines. And, you know, that's just probably me delving into the internet a lot and like engaging mental health that way and trying to figure out what the fuck is wrong with me. So there's that side of mental health where I think 
you know, I've had probably like an unhealthy experience with and, and um, not having the right understanding. Um, and then there's the other side of mental health that, you know, is really um, the way I've experienced it, which is uh, my spirituality and um, understanding myself and understanding myself in the context of like this world and how I interact with this world. Um, and now, um, as of the last, I guess, four years, I've had a better understanding of what I just said and, you know, actually talking to a therapist and having their perspective and, you know, their, their guidance with, you know, navigating my diagnosis which is major depressive disorder um, and post-stress disorder. So, you know, I've um, had a lot of, and I'm sure a lot of people have, right, but I've had a lot of differentiating opinions on what exactly mental health is. But, um, yeah. yeah so bit. it sounds like a lot of different kind of factors informing uh, opinion. Like I'm picturing kind of like, different threads that kind of all feed into like bringing the like role of thread like together but you kind of have to like take into account all the different factors all the different threads yeah exactly especially in our generation you know as I mentioned like uh, just looking on the internet and researching all these different you know symptoms and different things and trying to like just get a grip on something and you know it's it's difficult but yes lots of threads yeah. Lots of threads, for sure. Yeah, and, and then you make a good point with the internet. The internet point, like, it's it's a mess out there. Like, there's so many different opinions and mm -hmm. people saying different things that they've heard. And um, yeah. it, it can be hard to differentiate, like, what's what, for sure. It's yeah, I, I think there is definitely a huge um, opportunity for us, you know, in understanding mental health and, and, and seeing mental health professionals on Instagram, like, and, and that big wave of, you know, folks understanding what mental health can be. And then there's also this, you know, negative side of that, which is getting therapeutic information from Instagram. <laughs> you know, that's, right. that could be a problem at times. You know, yeah, like maybe I'm diagnosing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a potential to misdiagnose and to give yourself the wrong medicine, however that medicine looks. Medicine can be so many different things, and that's kind of scary to think about, how something that could be medicine to one person and it's actually poison to another. Yeah, or to substitute that as actual therapy is like, you know, can can lead to a lot of problems, you know? Yeah, yes, yes, definitely. Oh. Yeah, I could um, probably go on a whole rant on that, so I'm gonna <laughs> probably gonna <laughs> take a step back there. <laughs> okay, well, we'll continue to move into other areas. So, um, do you relate to mental the term mental illness if at all? And if not, what language would you use instead of mental illness? Like, what does mental illness mean to you? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Actually, I've never really thought about it. I think of my diagnoses as these uh, parts of myself like that I need to be friends with and be with um, 
I feel like I've never really, there's never really been a time where I've been like, I definitely have a mental illness. So I can't say that I relate to that term and not that I think it's because it has some sort of negative stigma, which it does. But, you know, for me, it's just been something where I've more focused on, you know, what is uh, the root of the problem and identifying it and just looking at it as something that is innate in me that I feel like in a way a lot of people struggle with and just don't like talk about because there is a stigma around the word mental illness. Um, but for me, it's, it's really just looked like something that has been, um, uh, it, it, you know, I guess the, the words that are coming up right now is more like just like spiritual, uh, just the ways in which I've suffered. So I guess, you know, to, to be more, more accurate to your question, it's been, I've, I've identified more with suffering than I have with mental illness and just mm-hmm. identifying the, the, the roots of my suffering. Um, and that's probably because I had a very, uh, early, uh, experience with Buddhism and, you know, um, which was also like a huge deterrent to, uh, my, you know, my mental health in a lot of ways. But, um, yeah, I, I think that the first, the first time I started to identify ways in which I was, you know, navigating the world in toxic manners or ways that were unhealthy to me or maladaptive behaviors uh was once i started meditating and practicing meditation and, and started to understand you know these ailments in 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 buddhist terms so um mm. you know mental illness not so much but suffering uh, has been more more accurate that makes sense that makes a lot of sense um i want to get into the buddhism thing a little bit but i do want to yeah. ask like one one question about um suffering is suffering do you feel like suffering is more um like malleable and or does it is it um unchanging or i guess i'm trying to figure out kind of because this is from my own understanding too like i struggle with the term mental illness and i i recognize that in society like i'm a person who kind of in the dsm western world has a mental illness because i'm bipolar because i've been diagnosed as bipolar um, but I also, I, I'm curious sometimes if like, wait, if I'm not experiencing these symptoms, mm-hmm. am I ill? Like, or have I found my way back to wellness? Like where, mm-hmm. you know, is suffering just, is suffering just kind of like what I'm experiencing when I'm feeling the symptoms? Um, I guess I'm just, that, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes okay. total sense. I, I, I definitely feel like the word suffering can be malleable and it is definitely something where I feel it shouldn't be used in a way that um, is probably uh, a substitute um, right uh, for 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 mental illness for example um, I think you know someone who has post-traumatic stress disorder and I'm talking about like a veteran who you know, if there's fireworks outside and the body is reacting to that because of some bombs that went off while he was out in war, they were out in war, that is not suffering. That is <laughs> a legit symptom that is directly correlated to a mental illness, right? right? Like suffering is an experience that is there for sure, but 
I don't think it can be, you know, substituted and say like, oh, that person is just suffering. I feel like it's not capturing all of the essence of what that person is actually going through, right? Um, I think for me at the time when I was trying to figure out what was going on and, and what was happening is that I didn't have the terminology. And I didn't grow up with, you know, all the mental health jargon and mental health lexicon essentially of like stating what was going on for me or what was happening for me, which was trauma. You know, a lot of it was trauma. And, and mm-hmm. um, now if, if you were to ask me like, hey, you know, what mental illness you would say I'd have if someone asked me that, I would say, yeah, major depressive disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder. Like, I wouldn't say, hey, I'm suffering from, you know, like, it would be something that I guess um, I would be more mm-hmm. accurate, but more more keen to, like, you know, point out, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, and I definitely feel like there, you know, at least in my path, when I was heading down um, this road of understanding my, my own mental health through meditation, I... There were a lot of mistakes that I made, and one of them was using Buddhist terminology to diagnose myself or to understand myself through, you know, a religious text or spiritual uh, lens, because that's not, that often doesn't really capture what is exactly is that's, that's happening with me. You know, like I needed, when I needed a therapist, I had a monk, you know, when I, and I, and I, like, that was, that was something that, you know, I'm glad I had a teaching monk. I'm glad I had someone to like guide me down that road. But what I really needed in those moments in, 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 you know, when I was a teenager was a therapist, you know, I needed a counselor, I needed a mental health um, practitioner. So. Completely. Therapy is, is invaluable. I think I wish that every person on the planet, um, a therapist to be honest yeah yeah for sure absolutely i don't know yeah. if that really like address your your question but i hope i hope it's- yeah no no it's it's definitely helpful um i just i was thinking of like the how i've heard phrases something like to be human is to suffer and like that kind of like mm-hmm. kind of like rooted in some maybe eastern spirituality i'm not quite yeah. sure on that but um and then just relating that to like mental health and um we always have we all have mental health as humans and we we suffer at different times we struggle at different times right Um, i think mental illness like a diagnosis is a little bit more like solid to me and i don't know if that's that can be good and bad right or not Mm -hmm. not so much good and bad but it can be like a detriment and it can be a benefit i think um so yeah, we could talk for hours about this, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have a lot to say there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, why do you think that there is so much stigma around conversations like this and just even the terms themselves? Yeah, I was thinking about that last night, actually. And, I mean, obviously the first thing that, that came up was probably um, there hasn't been the most adequate forms of education around this, you know, um, and understanding of, of, of these types of things. So I feel like, you know, when we're kids um, and we're being primed by our parents to handle certain feelings or not handle certain feelings, you know, we're, we're pretty much like 
always that you know the negation of our feelings is always kind of being reinforced especially around so like you know certain social identities you know women trans folks people of color black folks like you know we, we are more often than not taught that you know we shouldn't be in our bodies or our bodies are not good or correct or you know that um what we're feeling isn't right or just not being able to trust ourselves um for what's for what's actually happening or what's happening within us so i feel like not um you know and i don't i don't necessarily you know one of the things that i've learned is that i don't think it's also just our our parents fault right or that it's like our lineage's fault because i also think that they are also subject have been subjected to the same type of you know systemic issues that we have as a society right like culturally we just don't have uh, we just haven't addressed this in a way that has been, you know, honest and 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 vulnerable and authentic, right? Like we're really discussing this in a transparent way. Um, so you know, just a lack of of communication. And I think the, the the other biggest part is just a lack of community. Um, you know, not having a sense of belonging and seeing ourselves in you know the larger larger society you know um i was actually just mentioning this to someone today which was like you know a lot of high functioning people like you know have they have like you know depression and anxiety and we don't see it you know because you know we don't talk about it and we don't have that we don't have right. those conversations and um you know that's something that you know requires vulner vulnerability and like that that you know and in a lot of ways needs to be taught sometimes you know, people are like naturally are vulnerable and others like need to need a lot of time and a lot of prompting and a lot of, you know, reinforcing enforcement and trust that it's okay to be vulnerable. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Um, so how do we teach vulnerability? I mean, let's kind of like go with that thread a little bit. Um, just by, by being vulnerable. Is that how, you know, yeah. we hope like maybe podcasts yeah. like this one hopefully is, you know, just like <laughs> talking about and I'm not trying to like I'm just saying like is it just talking about things? Is that how we show? Is that how we teach vulnerability? Like I think I think I definitely being able to 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 show that you can be vulnerable. Like this this in and of itself is a very vulnerable thing, right? Um yeah. so I, I think being able to identify when vulnerability is happening is a good a good way to prime someone to understand that it's safe mm, totally you know? like you can like focus on it like this is i'm doing this right now or you're doing this right now yeah or like, like w- just widen just, it a little more and exactly exactly I, I i so i've worked with kids and you know big one of the biggest things is you know just just helping children identify what is actually happening um i know that for myself when i was teaching those kids I was teaching myself in a way. It was teaching my own inner child to be like, oh, that's right. Like, this is actually what safety looks like. And this is what it looks like to create a container for myself right now to feel okay in this feeling, you know, to not push this away and to not, you know, um, repress this. And I think just being able to identify those things out loud, right? Say like, hey, this is actually what's happening for me is modeling vulnerability, you know? Um yeah in a way that doesn't seem contrived either. Um, I think that's easier said than done. 
Yeah. 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 I I have a lot of hope for for kids, like for that generation. Um I think a big part of it is like kids growing up in a world that's so contentious in so many ways, but also with like climate crisis and um that being like a main factor that we can maybe touch on, but um mm. it's just interesting to me that like we're at this point in life where we're in such like a life or death kind of place almost with like the fact that like our world is on fire and um then we have kids that are like waking up at such a young age and being like no like this is not okay the way that and like all you know all different areas of life that like um it's not the way that things should be Mm -hmm. um totally yeah there's a lot there i guess but yeah well, what, let's talk about the work that you're doing now in the world and kind of like how you've moved through from your own experiences with your mental health and that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I think the only reason why I went to school, first of all, let me just start there. The only reason why I went yeah. to school is because I felt like I wanted to really um, prove something to myself. and. I think at at that point when I felt like I needed to prove something to myself or there needed to be something in the world, um, I began to understand that the work that I wanted to do was to disassemble that whole narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to school thinking one thing and, you know, having to go on this journey of being really honest with myself and understanding that, you know, I'm... I, I I'm okay with who I am and and that I what I bring to the table and what I bring to the world is valuable, you know, and I um really wanted to work with kids and work with folks that, you know, have have disabilities or identify um with you know, as a person that has a disability and um the reason why I wanted to do this because I started to understand myself within that lens is understanding like I have, you know, I have a disability and I have, you know, I navigate the world differently and I um, want to be in community with folks and facilitate learning for all of us to be able to, you know, um, provide healing and understanding and acceptance um in our society for folks who you know more often than not are are shunned for you know our for differences for our inherent differences um so i i you know i feel like the bridge started kind of you know started there um and you know, i had all these grandiose plans of like um when i started a business and Started my like my own healing center and wanting to be a healer and and all of that shit kind of just went out the window and was like I I really just want to humble myself and and start at a place where I again can can just be in community with folks that are similar to to myself and can understand where I'm where I'm coming from. So when I graduated, um, I started working in schools and started working with with kids who are who have ASD and are on the spectrum and, 
when I was here in LA, when I moved back to Los Angeles, uh, I was working in public schools and the kids that I worked around in the classroom was mostly ED students, so like emotional disturbance. So kids with a lot of trauma and um, who were on the spectrum, but the problems that I saw and that I um, was faced with every day were not just, you know, how they related to their disability or how they understood their disabilities, but how they related to their race, their ethnicity, their gender, and their place in the world. And these are kids that were like from the third to fifth grade, you know, like I was having to, you know, console kids who, you know, on a, on a constant basis would come into class crying and say, you know, I, I hate that my skin is black. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, being being in those settings and understanding, like, this is how, you know, this is where our, our, our mental health or, or our, our mental health begins to deteriorate right here. This is the moment. And I was, and I was, you know, seeing these things like take place um, day by day and, and feeling like I'm, you know, I'm in a position where I can, you know, guide, guide some of these kids towards, you know, better and healthier understanding of themselves and, and, you know, firm them and, and have that. And, and then also having to come to grips with like, you know, I also went through that. I was seeing a lot of myself in that and having to like, you know, heal my own inner child and realizing when I wasn't equipped to be, to, 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 to assist in, in guiding some of these kids and, and, and having to come to groups with that and understanding my own shortcomings, understanding where I was privileged, understanding, you know, how those things were just rubbing up against each other. And, um, I felt like that was part of the work, right? Like there was, you know, a majority of that, in that period of my life, I was so depressed and feeling like, man, I'm not worthy or enough to, you know, deal with these, uh, or not deal with it, but like address some of these things, you know, or that I wasn't good enough at doing um, what I was being asked to do in the classroom. Um, And I felt frustrated and angry. And so a lot of the times I was always connecting that to, you know, how do I um, continue to to just stay present with what's going on for me and address, you know, the things that are um, arising, which was a lot of childhood trauma. And, um, you know, that was a big moment in my life where I began to, you know, really push for, you know, better program developments within the school that I was at. And, um, you know, being present for individualized educational plans for kids and, like, advocating for them and, you know, having to, like, strike this balance between, like, bringing in um, fierceness and softness, you know, like, being fierce with, you know, people who are in power and also understanding that they, you know, a lot of these folks were also people of color we're also, you know, folks from marginalized positions and we're all doing our best in, you know, understanding like systemically this is fucked and, and this is yeah. really difficult and it's not easy, you know, and a lot of this is policy and, you know, pushing that, um, that needle takes a lot of, of effort from 
marginalized communities and which it shouldn't shouldn't necessarily be that way but it is um and so i think i was always looking at ways and how to you know bridge what i was learning about myself from a mental health standpoint and how i was um bringing that to the table um at my jobs and um you know being vulnerable like being trying to openly be vulnerable in these spaces that often require you not to be vulnerable but to just shut off from it and do your work do your job um right right that was three years ago that was three years ago three or four years ago yeah now i'm doing something different and just continue but continuing along the same vein awesome um so it sounds like there was kind of like a mutual mentoring like an inner and outer like you were like taking on a role as kind of like a mentor and also like mentoring your your inner child or yourself and um, kind of um, embracing the fierceness and the softness, like you said. I don't know if you saw our new um, logo, but it incorporates a yin yang, and that's kind of yeah, what came to yeah. mind. I was like, yeah. so such exactly. like, a beautiful way to, to right. kind of go about doing that, um, doing that work. Totally. So, was there kind of like a point? It's, it sounds like you probably ha- did. You have a therapist during that point where you kind of like actively um, being like working with your mental health with the therapist simultaneously as like helping other folks and young folks. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had a therapist at that time and yeah, luckily I um, had the support of, of my therapist and um, was seeing her weekly uh, cause I needed to. Yeah. <laughs> she was, I mean, she challenged me to consistently go back to um, becoming aware of how this relates to my childhood wounds. And at each step of the way, I was saying no, and I didn't want to do it. And, you know, it, it, it taught me a lot about how I disembodied and how I was, you know, effectively, like, always trying to dodge my therapist. Like, one of the Mm -hmm. biggest things, I guess, like, the lesson that I have learned within the last, like, two years is not to fucking dodge my therapist or lie to my therapist, you know, but to just be as honest as I possibly can, um, you know, about everything, about every thought, about every emotion, because that's the space to do it in. Yeah, yeah, Um, it's going to come up anyway, is my experience. And I think that from what you're saying, like the type of work you were doing that was so profound and like shifting like the way that young people, like the next generation of people who are going to be coming to the world and and, like raising families of their own and going on to to make impact, like you need, I mean, the only way that you can support folks who are, like in the places in the spaces that you were in, it sounds like as if you yourself are working on yourself and you're healthy. And I think, and that's like a big part of what we're trying to do with this podcast is normalize things like therapy. So I, I think I just want to um, reiterate how important um, therapy and these kinds of things are um, if we have access to them, which I think all all folks should have access. Like this is so important and it's how we show up in the world effectively yeah totally totally 
how do how are you dealing with the the depressive and the the disorder and the PTSD during that time? Does that get like kind of like triggered throughout your work that you were doing, and how did you deal with that? If so, yeah, absolutely, it did. Um, I I dealt with it in a number of ways. Um, some good, some bad. <laughs> I I think I you know I what I got into like a really bad relationship and I disembodied and I disengaged and then there were times where I was totally engaged and totally willing to you know challenge myself and meet myself there and it was an ebb and flow like um, of constantly having to go back to step one um, and feeling like I was always approaching things from a beginner's mind um regardless of how much mental health jargon i knew regardless of how much you know i went to therapy all this stuff is always relative to you know where you're actually at in the moment and um i felt like i always had to i had to consistently press myself to be um you know present and and I think there it had it that had its upsides and then often that had its downsides, you know. There's I feel like there's also like we can often therapize ourselves or therapize others and it can lead to, you know, um sort of like another uh identity where you're, you know, oh, you, you go to therapy and like you you know all of this stuff and and somehow you're you know not may not be problematic or don't have all of these things because you're so good at spewing out this this jargon of mental health stuff and I think at times I caught myself being there in that space with myself and thinking like oh just, you know because I'm going to therapy and all this stuff I'm not dealing with as many problems as I think I am you know when when in reality I was uh just really spiraling at times, you know, right, right. and not, not being able to identify that. So, um, I'm depressed. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I dealt with it. I feel <laughs> um, that. Yeah. So it didn't look yeah. pretty. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you had the support of the therapist um, at the time. Yeah. Same Regardless, here. even if you were dodging your therapist at times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I definitely can relate to that to that notion of not thinking that I'm I have as many issues because I have like my therapist or something. It's ultimately like I just haven't like opened up a certain door. Um, right. Maybe, but once I do, it's I mean it's always really challenging at first, and then yeah. I think it's a little easier, um, but there there are never ending doors. Right. So. Totally. Um. Yeah, and I think the the other piece though that's important to kind of mention is to not be like scared of what's on the other side of them though, because right. it's only like you open the door and you start healing. Like that's where like it begins, and um, that's where other people's healing begins too. Because yeah, we can kind of like look at other people and judge or like therapize as you say um but if we're if we are doing our work i think and we're opening those doors and we're seeing what's inside and we're trying to begin to navigate what's in there 
that shows like the way we move throughout the world or through the world starts to show it starts to be a little different yeah yeah staying, staying present with that is really important yeah i like how you said that earlier like i wonder if that's, that's just like a, such a key point i think is like staying present and we live in a world that's so like everyone's on their phones all the time and everyone's go 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 and doing different things and um doing like being social and being present is such a gift and it's right. it's so it feels it's it's easy yet it's so challenging to access. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about you mentioned your experiences with Buddhism early on a little bit earlier and mm-hmm. I kind of jumped earlier, I like jumped from like <laughs> one thing to the top to the to the like the okay. present moment and I think I had three yeah. and I, I was like just being ahead of myself. Um but yeah, let's I'd love to hear more about um your path of Buddhism and how that how that mm-hmm. kind of played a part in like your bridge to where you where you are now. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, Buddhism played a huge role in understanding um, myself and how I uh, engage in the world um, and how I disengage. Uh, I feel like I made a very um human mistake <laughs> which is to substitute my spirituality for my mental health and i think i was 17 and i was reading ramdas and listening to alan watts and fucking mm-hmm. you know going down the whole spiritual gamut of like here's my new budding spiritual identity and you know, in order for me to be a good, decent human and, you know, be a be a person of, of strong principle, ethic, and moral fiber, I need to practice these things diligently. And I did. I mean, I, I you know, was a Buddhist monk and did a whole bit novice training and, and um, was a lay person and, and was uh, consistently in temples. And uh, all of that helped me to become more or become acutely aware of all the ways in which meditation was not helping me (laughs) with my mental health. And um, it helped me establish concentration and all of these other efforts of like becoming extremely aware of, you know, my breathing and somatic sensations and understanding where like my pain was, but it did not, you know, was not this, this cure all of, of my, um, of, of, you know, my, my ailments and like my, my inherent um, problems that I was dealing with as a child. Like, and uh, I, I, I think that's, that's, you know, like a, a mistake at times where we, you know, can think oh meditation if i if i meditate five ten minutes a day i'm i'm gonna somehow you know um address all of these issues that i've always had in my life or like my habits are gonna completely you know transform it's like yeah it's definitely a tool it's definitely something but i think meditation within the buddhist context is for a very specific thing and that specific thing is very much correlated with all of the scriptures of buddhism and understanding its cosmology and understanding like 
that's what it is, right? This whole mindfulness thing that we have that is now completely like secularized or non-secularized by, by psychology is, it's this whole other thing. And, and that, that distinction is really needs to, is really important to make. And unfortunately for me, um, or fortunately, like I had that experience of understanding, like I'm a very devout Buddhist and I practice this as, religious thing or as a spiritual thing and then there's all of the stuff that i'm i'm aware of and now i need to you know seek professional help <laughs> to address mm-hmm. some of these things and i can still bring meditation in this into this and like you know practice grace and and forgiveness and kindness and love towards myself and there's all these other tools that you know psychologists have also established that are extremely helpful and you know i need to i need to get i need to delve into those things and um yeah i think uh, you know i i don't know if that critique is often made at times because we want to do mindfulness meditation to you know address certain a lot a lot of our societal problems that we have or to increase our concentration or our productivity and all that stuff and like oh that's great um but it's not it's it should not be a substitute you know for for therapy essentially is like, i guess you know or your spirituality could be one thing you know um but it, it should not always play its part in substituting when you need to go to therapy and when you need to address certain issues yeah. Completely. I'm with you on that for sure. And yeah. um it makes a lot of sense the way you explained it. Um I find therapists to be and therapy in general to be so grounding. Right. Um like it really just brings you back to earth. Um, like if you're spinning out in your head and that's I've experienced that, I know what that's like and I've had racing thoughts and experienced, you know, acute paranoia and um, therapy was a was a vital aspect for me. Um, and I think part of what had me spinning out was I delved too far into the spiritual. And this is not to give spirituality a bad rap. Like, I'm definitely, I would consider myself a pretty spiritual person. But, you know, I was, like, trying to do visualizations all the time with, like, meditations and sun gazing and um, doing all these different, like, practices from different kind of, modes of spirituality and it was it was too much like you need the earth like we are an earth for a reason we need to ground ourselves and therapists help us to do that yeah yeah absolutely and 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 working with our mental health in general like even if it's not like um through or with a therapist um yeah so all and all so all three i guess in mind body spirit right it's like um spiritual health mental health and physical health they we're on this we're on this journey on this planet and I think it's important to recognize that there are different aspects of health and wellness that need to come together to create a more holistic experience, like a more more whole um human experience um as we like move forward. Yeah, yeah, I think that's my rant. That 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 relates to I guess what you um had originally or I guess what you were included in your questions about blending in uh, sustainability and or science, spirituality, and, and the social justice aspect of yes. things. You know, 
I feel like, yeah, you know, can, should you utilize mindfulness-based cognitive therapy? Absolutely. Like, there's multiple studies that show that is very effective at curing or helping uh, helping folks with major depressive disorders. There's actually even more studies that show when you couple that with medication, it even doubles the amount of, you know, the times that people uh, spend, you know, recovering from major depressive disorders. So, I feel like there's been a lot of momentum in understanding how we could use all of these tools. And I feel like a lot of these things are just that, tools, uh, into further understanding ourselves. But, um, yeah, I, yeah I, I, it's not that I don't want to give spirituality a bad rap, but I think in and of itself, there are a lot of communities within, or a lot of spiritual communities that give themselves a bad rap, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, that's so true. Uh, like, Unfortunately, you know, crystals aren't going to necessarily completely heal you from, you know, something that you're probably, you know, from all of your trauma. Can they be tools? Like, absolutely. But let's not confuse them for, you know, the the actual, uh, you know, the things that are actually going to help you gain more insight. So. Right. I feel like there's tools and they're useful and they're helpful. I don't want to take anything away from that. But, you know, I guess what I'm really addressing is like the communities out there that will, you know, completely shun um, scientific qualitative data that shows how if you use these things coupled with, you know, Western methods of, of healing, that that actually is a plus, you know? Yeah, it's not, it's not okay. Like science is like, but it's like earth like that's like the grounding the groundedness like um you know what i mean like yeah i get where you're going with that yeah um yeah uh, science is just another tool and another method and whatnot and um you know i i all of these things are are important to discuss and like really tease out and they're very nuanced you know and it doesn't like it's not um I don't think that there's like a right way of necessarily explaining this or talking about this. I think it's just about what relates to you and what you feel like you vibe with, you know, I'm sure there are folks that, you know, feel like lighting their candles and, you know, having Palo Santo and having their crystal bowl, you know, ringing the whole time and their crystals all around them has completely healed them. (laughs) And that's valid and that's okay. And like, that's not, you know, I, I don't want to be, like, too rigid on that. You know, I, I think everything has its validity. It's just, you know, what relates to you. Completely. Each person is unique, and it's about finding, you know, your own, like, what medicine is yours, I think. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm curious kind of just what you're, in terms of, like, what you're doing today, mm. how you got there. I know we've talked about, like, the bridge that you've been building and kind of yeah. like what it's been leading to um, through these different times in your life. Mm. Um, but kind of what's mm-hmm. going on now? Um, so now I I work with, you know, LA has a huge population of homeless individuals, families, and youth. Um, and I grew up, I, I was born and raised here in LA. And, and since uh, I left to school and by the time I've come back our population has skyrocketed and um 
I feel very um, I, I feel very very motivated to uh, to to you know be a part of a solution and in, in ways that we establish and build programs um, to address some of these issues um, specifically from these lenses of <clears throat> incorporating social justice. Um, and you know a lot of the homelessness crisis here is, is a mental health crisis you know and how we deal with mental health and you know uh it's it's a big it's a big topic and it's a big issue that we often a lot of folks here i see like try to avoid um so now what i do is i i do i'm program manager for an agency here that works specifically with folks with disabilities and homeless folks that are that have disabilities. And um, what we do is we kind of uh, outreach folks that are high utilizers of emergency services, and we kind of get them right where they're at and, and start approaching them with services if they want them, um, and just starting to like connect with them. And a lot of that looks like, um, treating them like human beings, which is yeah. a huge radical idea that's taking place right. in democratic systems um, where we often don't treat them like human beings, but rather treat them like numbers and things that, you know, need to be addressed with just throwing money at them. And, um, you know, I think I, I now have been in this for about two and a half to three years and, um, Someone, yeah. You know, a lot of the questions that I get here is like, what do, what do we do about the problem, and you know, how do we address this? And I feel like this is where like my bridge, I guess, has really come, is coming to its apex, um, where I just tell people like, have you tried talking to someone that's homeless before? You know, like, have you just simply approached them and had a conversation with them? You know, not not give them your money not offer them anything, not, you know, feeling sorry for them. Don't, without any pity, but just talk to them the way you would to someone, you know, that is, you know, close to you and and start there, you know, because this is kind of goes back to what I was saying is if, if we don't, if we're not vulnerable and if we're not, you know, making an effort, a conscious effort to, you know, connect with each other in a way that is vulnerable, in a way that is authentic, in a way that's present with our own humanity, then we're not going to get anywhere. You know, we're not going to be able to provide anyone any services or anyone anything if we don't treat each other, um, you know, with decency and kindness and, and love and compassion, you know. Um, so, you know, a lot of the things that I do now when I'm training a lot of staff or when I'm guiding them is I really just get to know them. You know, we, in all of these agencies, because we're funded by big contracts from, um, from HUD, you know, which is a federal agency and, and state agencies, they, they want us to follow the procedures and the manuals and this is how you do things. And it's all bureaucratic red tape, right? But from an individual level, um, and now that I, I in a way, am kind of, climbing up towards that policy level of like, you know, I'm handling these budgets and handling these things so that I understand that I have an impact now and how I train the folks that are going to be talking to to our constituents and to our demographics. And a lot of that looks like first establishing myself 
establishing a safe space uh, and a space where we can all be vulnerable with each other and like where where are we at emotionally you know what is our own emotional intelligence and establishing like what our eq is and understanding like okay you know if we can't if if we're not if we ourselves aren't being kind to ourselves or if we don't have an agency that is establishing you know wellness for ourselves then we're not going to get anywhere you know we're going to be overwhelmed we're going to get burned out and we're not going to be able to assist anyone you know and if you're not out in the front lines and talking to people in a way that you would talk to your mom or in the way you would talk to your brothers or your sisters or your best friends your partner or yourself then we're not going to get anywhere right and so yeah a lot of that looks like you know just being able to to you know have these vulnerable conversations and understand ourselves and luckily a lot of social workers are you know gaining um we have a lot of those tools um and you know i i feel like this is this field is is primed for that you know and understanding um how we all deal with our own shit you know having those conversations so that when we do talk to someone it's you know in a way that is validating and con- and, and affirming of their situation you know that you know just cuz you fell on hard times because you you know whether it was through you know not being able to sustain yourself because capitalism fucking sucks and Los Angeles's rent is like skyrocketing or because it was substance abuse regardless of whatever it was like i see you I hear you and I'm here with you. Um, and that was something I wasn't able to give myself for a long time. Um, and in a lot of ways, I still struggle with doing, like hearing myself, validating myself, staying present with myself is still something that is an everyday thing. Um, mm-hmm. But because I am committed to that and I'm fortunate enough to, and privileged enough to be in to be in an industry right now that is, Seeing that, that you know, I can I can practice that on a day to day basis. Completely, I think yeah. that's so beautiful, and um, the world needs more people like you. And this kind of work is so so important and so vital. Um, I know that when I've been deep in my struggle with um, my own mental health journey, I um, all the things that people would say to me that they would reach out to me and say these comforting things and it wouldn't necessarily feel comforting to me at the time. Um, but I would go on and like, if somebody else was suffering, I would offer them like the words that had been comforting in some way to me, or at least were said to me in an effort to be comforting. And it was almost like seeing another person feel comforted by the words that I was saying, that was healing to me. So it, it like works both ways, you know, it's like, that's how healing happens is like, you talk to a homeless person um, and realize they're fucking human and have this connection with them and you go back to home and to you're lucky enough to, your, to have a home that you do and you treat yourself a little bit better because you feel there's like this thread of like vulnerability that just was made and um, the sense of compassion I think that you have. So I think it's, it's like mutually beneficial. It's like, why are we not treating each other? Why are we not treating ourselves better? Why are we not treating the planet better? Why are we not treating one another like other, like human beings that we are? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, that is a good question. Why aren't we doing those things? 
you know, and it starts, it starts with us. It starts with, you know, oftentimes, I think the, the, the client, the, the focus that you're having on climate, um, has been something, it's something that I, I really admire because, um, I think for me, when I, anytime that I focus on environmental justice or any kind of, um, climate-based social justice, I've come to understand that more often than not, at first, I would always blame other things or systems or like, oh, if we just didn't throw enough trash or like we had better recycling or whatever the case may be, is always looking outward and um, saying that it, that the more I delved, in, delved into that, the more it helped me understand, well, actually, this is really about me and how I feel. I'm unsustainable and how I perceive things. Right. And being able to, to, to shift that lens to me, uh, while difficult, extremely difficult and full of shame and guilt, it also proves to be um, a very important lesson on responsibility and what it means. And um, being able to, 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 to take that on, you know, and not not ignore it and not, you know, try to run away from it or blame something else. Um, right. That's an everyday thing, you know. I look at things every day and just reflect, like, how am I going to, you know, address these these types of things, um, these very big issues? Yeah. Well, being in collaboration is definitely a key point. Um, I think that the knowledge that I'm not alone was really integral to my own healing um, in many ways. And I think that's a really important thing to remember um, and then to consciously like come together with folks who are wanting to do powerful, positive things um, is part of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We can kind of um, start to wrap up. Um, I am curious, um, real quick though, what is your, um, I have another question, what is your relationship with your mental health like today? Yeah, um, so I still go to therapy and um, this this aspect of uh, taking responsibility for myself has been a key Thing that I've been working on with my therapist um, and uh, you know I've done so much um, harm to myself and I because of that I've learned effective ways on how to just disassociate and go somewhere else so a lot of it it looks like um, you know, just just coming back, or or being okay when I see myself disassociate, because that's what like kind of this is a lot of dissociative um, behaviors will. It'll be like very meta, and I can see myself kind of like, oh, there there it goes. I'm losing myself. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like I'm mm-hmm. I'm in some other shit now, right. um, and I'm learning how to. Just, just, just see that and take note of it, right? And just be like, okay, it happened. I'm back now, 
and taking note of that and just taking note of each things um and being responsible for when I do things when I'm in that state um no matter how hard it may be and I don't mean that in like this like a, like authoritarian like you better do it or other cuz that just creates shame right it's more like realize that it's like it's hard and titrate and like do what you can and like leave what you can't, you know, and, and, and come back to it when you can. And, and just being able to go between that um, has been really useful. So right now I'm, you know, that's been one of the biggest lessons. Um, I feel like, you know, certain themes, I'm, I'm always going through themes. I just feel like a couple months ago or, you know, I was, was really just working on forgiveness and practicing kindness and all that stuff. And now it's like, my personal responsibility, you know, like how do I, how do I address things that I've done and do and, and, and not um, just go back to like, Oh, well, you know, it's part of my own mental health, my mental illness. And so I can't, you know, what am I going to do? Like, no, I got, I got to take responsibility for it and and I got to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Mental health affects us all. If you are feeling suicidal, please call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. If I is replaced with we, even illness becomes wellness. Malcolm X. Thank you to the city of Detroit where we record this podcast each week. To Ayla Nario for the use of her beautiful song, and to our listeners who may be struggling with mental health issues, may this podcast serve as a light in what can often be a very dark night. Catch you next time on the Bridge to Branches podcast. Mm-hmm.